0: Welcome to Bottoms on Top. I'm John. And I'm Andreas. And we're happy to have you. Okay, so we got a couple comments on the last episode that things were a little too, you know, high level, upper crust for all of you. A little too highbrow, if you will. So, you know, we're going to try to give you a little bit of that smut that apparently is all you can handle. So tell them what we did, Andreas. Andreas. So
1: John and I decided to take the BDSM test on bdsmtest.org. And the test basically just asked you a bunch of questions about your own sexual preferences, um, your sexual fantasies, your preferred roles in bed. And John and I, I think we learned a little bit about ourselves, right? A little bit, I guess. Oh, well, I learned that I'm 90% vanilla, which um, I, I knew that was going to happen, mm. kind of. But I also learned that I'm 75% boy-girl, which, um, <laughs> which means that I mix childlike innocence with naughty sexual curiosity. And I don't know what gave me that <laughs> reading. I'm a little freaked out by it. Was
0: cause... it because um, the question they asked about, do you like to draw with crayons or do other childlike activities <laughs> in the bedroom? I think I said no to that. Okay. But was it a hard disagree or a somewhat disagree? It was definitely a dis- disagree. I don't disagree or agree.
1: Okay, but I also like.
0: <laughs> so you like a little bit like to draw no, in coloring just books in the I bedroom. No, it's oh, like, okay. okay. If
1: I'm in Barnes and Noble and I see a coloring book and
0: I don't know, like maybe you get I like a little half chub from that. <laughs>
1: Oh my god, no. But like, if, I don't know, like, I I bought a coloring book before, I just never used it like in the bedroom like that. But what'd you get, John?
0: Okay, um, so I got 92% rope bunny. <laughs> <which> <laughs> Can you define rope bunny for our listeners, please? I guess it's like, um, like tying up or whatever. Oh, okay. Which but why bunny? I have no idea. And then 87% submissive, which we all saw coming.
1: Yeah, I got 61% submissive.
0: Joyce, our producer Joyce, also took the test. Do you have your results pulled up, Joyce? She does. What did you get? (laughs) (laughs) Joyce is 63% a masochist. So you can reach her at podcasts at the DP.com. Yes. Also
1: something that, like, I also got 49% brat which I think that a regular personality test also would have given me (laughs) 50% brat. Like, I think it's part of my personality.
0: I think you're right. Well, I hope that was enough sexual drivel for you animals out there who that's all you want from the gays is for us to talk about douching. We're more than that.
1: We're more. But... But are we? No, are. are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll give it to you. If it's smut you want, it's smut we'll give.
1: We're, we're a people's a people's podcast.
0: Now that we've got that out of the way, um, we want to give a shout out to a listener we have. So this is a student of a former high school classmate of mine, Olivia Dollywall, who is a teacher um, in a high school in South Dakota on the Rosebud Indian Reservation. And her student, Dante Trujillo, is a listener of the podcast, so we just wanted to shout out to Dante, give him some love.
1: Shout out to Dante, thanks for loving us from South Dakota, really appreciate it.
0: Which gets me thinking, having only met you, like, within the last year, Andreas, I don't know what you were like as a gay little high schooler.
1: Oh my, what was I like as a high schooler? So, um, just to characterize myself, I definitely, just give you a picture, like, Visually, I had braces for three years. My hair was always cut short. And I wore exclusively Abercrombie, Hollister, and Aero Postel every single day. Um, yeah, I was that kid. But yeah, I also, um fun fact, I used to write fanfic in middle school. Oh my god. Like, smut fanfic. Of like what? So I used to read, like, some of, like... I think I like started off reading a Harry Potter one and then my friend actually showed me a K-pop fanfic and I ended up writing one as like a joke and then she published it on her account and it got a few like views and stuff and oh honestly it w- <laughs> it was it was fun
0: so it was like K-pop sexual fantasy yeah it was like kind of gross was it gay yeah okay it was it was like a it was a phase but
1: I think that fanfic honestly like just to like make it sound better I think fanfic like showed me like hey like I like writing stuff it was pretty cool and it was also just like really dirty and like kind of gross now that I think about it because like literally fanfic is a bunch of like 13 and 14 year old like girls and guys writing about like sex they've never had and they're just like copying each other's like visions of like sex which is actually kind of weird and like funny when you think about it
0: outside of that context So what were your characters getting up to? Y'all can find my fanfic. (laughs) If you find my fanfic
1: account, y'all can read about it later. Oh,
0: my God. Trash. Andreas, you got a new project.
1: Yes, I have a new project. Everyone, Bottoms on Top now has a proper promotional medium. Like our Facebook page, it'll give you updates with all our new episodes, We'll also have some special content, pictures, playlists, a whole bunch of other stuff. So please like it and follow all the content that I'm going to be posting. It'll be a lot of fun.
0: That's facebook.com slash bottoms on top podcast. And while you're at it, you know, we usually don't make these plugs on air, but while we're at it, you might as well go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud Go ahead and leave us a review. Five stars if you feel like it. If you feel it, I don't know. We recommend it. Um, yeah. Shout out to Ari Lewis of the Wexler Studio staff here at Kelly Ryder's house. We had a little mix up.
1: Technical difficulties.
0: You know, some could say Joyce dropped the ball. <laughs> Others would say that it was nobody's fault. Um, but Ari Lewis is here and really came through for us setting up the mic. So show her some love. Check her out. Um, You can find her music video for her latest song, Sip Dis Tea. You can just Google that. The music video is fire. And her mixtape, 21 Bars with a Z, is on SoundCloud. So show Ari some love. Two
1: weekends ago, John and I went to Yale University with a bunch of other Penn students, and we attended the Ivy Q conference. So basically, it is a conference that is designed to bring a lot of students from the Ivy League schools and other schools, whoever wants to come is allowed to, bring queer students together to learn more about themselves and socialize. There's a bunch of panels, there's parties, and it's generally a good time, pretty popular. It's been going on for about nine years, and... John and
0: I attended this year. We had a good time. We coined, or we uh, inaugurated our new catchphrase, which is, Okay, Demi. Okay, Demi. Which comes from a, it's a Jezbel article, right? Yes, Mm -hmm. which we have referenced before on this podcast about Demi Lovato. And I would say it's like a a stand-in for a sure Jan type of response. So go ahead and... uh, Start using that as you, as you see fit. Okay, Demi. So we bought some twelve dollar Amazon mics. <laughs> Did you get those uh, refunded by the yes, DP? Yes,
1: those twelve dollar Amazon mics and Zaddy D- ZP <laughs> gave the money. Got back. Got that coin back.
0: Thank you. So we brought those to IVQ and we have we recorded a couple clips, talked to a few people. So that's what you're going to be hearing throughout this. So here's us at the beginning of the weekend.
1: Good morning, everyone. It is Friday, and we are at IVQ 2017 at Yale University. We're super excited to get started on our first workshop today. John, how was your night? Um,
0: you know, I had a little incident with the other person who was staying in my host's room, but if you want to hear more about that, you can email podcasts at the DP.com because I'm not going to drag him right here right now. How was your night?
1: It was good. All my suite mates are cool. My hosts are pretty cool. John, which workshop are you headed to today?
0: Um, I'm headed on one to learn more about the asexual community and that community's history and where they are today. What about you?
1: I was thinking of heading to the same one because I think that I know very little about that, and I want to learn a little bit more, and I think that's where my time is most useful here. Okay, Demi. Talk to you all later.
0: So we went to that ace workshop. What do you think, Andreas? So the ACE workshop was
1: a little disappointing, only because it was very few people there. The um, moderator for the workshop was a little late. And I think that it could have been like a better discussion if more people had showed up. But it was also the first day and nine in the morning. So I understand that a lot of people weren't there or just really don't like mornings. It it was okay. I did learn some things, especially from some of um, like our peers that were there who identify as ACE and gave some insight about, like, how they um, navigate relationships and come to their identity.
0: All I'll say is that at one point, the moderator was trying to make a point that, like, there isn't positive representation of any type of romantic relationship on television or in movies. And she was like, can anyone think of any examples of a, like, well-reflected relationship on TV? And I was like... Yeah, the Barefoot Contessa, Ina Garten, and her <laughs> husband, Jeffrey. Like, this is a no-brainer. And she was like, well, I've never seen that. I was like, okay, Debbie. After that, we had the first keynote speaker, Jacob Tobiah. Yes. Who is a genderqueer writer, advocate, personality, etc. cetera. And they talked about the ways in which we talk about trauma and how we interact with that trauma, and how we present it to others, and how people outside of the community expect us to do all of those things. And I actually got a
1: chance to hear them speak at the Alpha Undergrad Marketing Conference um, earlier this semester, and I enjoyed hearing them speak both times. Both speeches were different, and this one was tailored, especially, I think, for the IVQ audience, and was actually very helpful. It's nice to hear that a lot of people feel the same way about, like, you don't
0: have to expose your trauma to be like validated and be important which is true so we got a few a few hot takes on what people thought following up on that keynote we're here with Justin and Valentine uh, to hear what they thought about Jacob Tobias keynote what did y'all think? uh... well so Jacob talked a lot
2: about storytelling um, of trans narratives and one thing I really appreciated about the presentation was that it talked about like the act of storytelling versus like stories of trans people themselves and I feel like like so often like we only hear like stories about trans people and like the trauma that they face and like the experiences they've had and how they've like overcome adversities like related to their trans experience but like I've never personally been in a space where we've talked about like the actual act of like storytelling and how like people frame like their experiences so I thought it was like a really interesting take on like I don't know how we just engage with like the experiences of trans people um and like as someone who is like as i don't know like me as like a listener and also like someone who's not trans like it like helped me to like reconfigure i guess my expectations about like how I expect people to uh, talk about their experiences
0: as well. What about you, Valentine?
2: Yeah, it definitely, like the expectations of how we expect trans people to tell their narrative, it definitely influences how trans people themselves like build their own narratives and like think about them like not even while like telling other people just how we think about it in our own minds. Like if I think back about like my experience with my own gender, it's like, will it be in the way people expect me to or will it be in my own like formulative way? So I feel like I really appreciated that from the talk, and like now, like if I ever like end up speaking or doing um, what they do, it's like I won't be pressured to this like cis normative heteronormative audience type of what they want me to do. So yeah, I really liked it.
0: Thank you both.
1: So later that day, John and I also went to another workshop together. It was I think called the Love Seat. And it was moderated by a trans woman who's also a sex worker. And it was about basically how to do things that normal, that aren't like normalized but do it safely. So basically how to combine drugs and sex, how to carry out sex work safely, things of that nature. I personally really like the workshop just because of how open everybody was in it about their own personal like sex habits, drug use, and things like that. I will say some of it came off as a little problematic to me. There were, like, some substances and some practices that I don't consider safe at all. And I think they were talked about in, like, a very positive light and were almost being normalized. And I don't know if I agree with normalizing certain drugs and, like, practices that have been proven to be detrimental to a lot of people. What did you think, John?
0: Yeah, I felt the same way. I thought there were a lot of good tidbits, and I think, like... It's important to think about these things, but I certainly have never, like, been in a space where, like, meth use is, like, outwardly seen as a positive thing. (laughs) Um, So it's like, I'm going to give that one a little thought, but I think I'm still going to come on down on, like, generally don't do meth. But maybe that's the government talking. I don't know.
1: I agree. I wouldn't. Don't do math, kids. That's a message from Bottoms on Top. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but anyway, so that was pretty good. And after that, we
1: had our functions, our nighttime functions, the famed IBQ parties.
0: Yes, we got our josh. Yes, we got our josh together. I loved most about the weekend, like, how the pen gays, like, went to every organized party the minute it was scheduled to start. And, like took up the whole dance floor for as long as we could before other people got there. Like, that was
1: show-stopping. I was so happy when, especially the first party, we got there, and we were all just like, this is our space. We can do whatever we want. And it was just so much
0: fun to be with, like, all the pen gays. At one point, it was just Johanna and I on the, da- on the entire <laughs> dance floor, and we used the entire space. I was doing floor work. I have bruises on my legs, on I my I remember knees. that floor work.
1: I was a little... So the second day party, I was a little like less lit than the first day. I think I was just really tired, but it was both of them were a lot of fun.
0: They were. So we had a chance to talk to some people who were not part of our little pen gay dance clique about what they thought about the nightlife at IVQ.
1: It is Saturday morning of IVQ. John and I are here for our second day of workshops, and we're also here with Jose. We're gonna ask Jose what did he think of last night's social events and how fun has IBQ been so far. Um, uh,
3: last night was fun for me because uh, we had like we had affinity spaces as like game mixers. Um, so I went to the queer Latinx one. Um, it, was, it was just nice to be with people that are you know part of my culture and that listen
1: to the same music and you know kind of just have that experience and be comfortable in that environment. Um, and then I went to the party afterwards, and it was just fun to be like in a, just a, a really queer space. Um, uh, it was just really kind of exciting to be around that many queer people and to just just feel comfortable, like I said, and be here and just keep learning. Thank you, Jose. Right now, I'm outside with my friend Tevis from Columbia. We met at o for u Marketing Conference, and now we're both here at IBQ. Tevis, what did you think of last night's social events?
4: I mean, honestly, it
1: was a fun space um, for the first thing, but it just reminded me a lot about the hookup culture that exists at Columbia and in New York City, and that, that's something I wanted to escape for this weekend. And then just seeing all of the individuals just, like, It seemed like that was the ultimate goal instead of having fun with a lot of queer people, was just like someone find someone to make out with or like have sex with at the end of the night. And so for me, I wanted to escape the hookup culture that exists in New York City and that exists at Columbia University, New York University, all the kinds of places there. And last night just wasn't the kind of environment that I envisioned.
0: Okay, so Andreas, given what we've just heard, it wasn't all great. I know you had some thoughts on um, the organized pre games. If you want to share,
1: yeah. So they have a lot of pre games for different groups there. So they had one for women, one for members of the Latinx community, um, generally people of color as well, and lots of and a few other groups within like queer. And personally, for me, I just never really feel that welcome in specific spaces, just because I am mixed, and I feel like sometimes. I either feel like I'm performing or people are not accepting me, which most likely would not have been true if I went. But I do sometimes avoid spaces like that because they divide people up in that sense.
0: Yeah. I think there are obviously, like, pluses and minuses to both because if you have everyone in the same room, maybe you're building more of a sense of community, but also, you know, the white gays are going to be the white gays. That's like what it
1: inadvertently does
0: basically and also
1: i wanted to hang out with you john that's true how am i gonna
0: leave you like (laughs) don't leave me we also heard a little bit about the hookups there was a lot of diffmo going on there was a a lot of diffmo and i think that on a note on the diffmo a lot of people
1: have this idea that like a diffmo like may mean something that you like are like choosing one person because you guys started like diffmoing or just grinding and i'm like It's 11.30, my girls are waiting for me, my gays are waiting for me, and I have to go dance with them, and that's what's going to happen to me. Yeah,
0: people try to go and, like, first person they get to make out with them, they're, like, trying to leave with them. And I'm over here with the message that it doesn't have to be that way. Then we had day two. Day two was good. So I started late, day two. Yeah, I woke up early, bright and early. I pulled up at (laughs) 2 (laughs) o'clock. More workshops. Um, I had one of my favorite workshops that day. Speak on it. Yeah,
1: so it was a workshop on, um, on making creative communities. I think it was great. And I think what made that workshop great was the fact that it was actually a workshop. It wasn't like a lecture. It was people coming around telling you how you can improve the work that you do seek out other queer people who will elevate you and also critique your work as well. That was a big thing that we talked about, how to find a good critique. One of my points was that, um, especially in relation to, if you're writing about something that someone doesn't know about, they most likely will love it because they don't know how to critique it, right? So I brought up the example of the grinder article I wrote like four weeks ago, basically about how... I think that some straight people really liked it, but I wanted to hear more gay critique because I know there's something that could be better, but it could only come from a certain community, and sometimes it's hard to find that community. They gave some good advice. I like that.
0: We also, that day after all the workshops were said and done, had the opportunity to talk to the three chairs of IVQ, Uh, so we'll let you listen to some of what they had to say about the conference. Okay, so we have the chairs of IVQ, Kyle, Lane, Nicole, and we're just going to ask them a few questions about what goes into making a conference like this and what they had in mind in the planning process. So if y'all could just start off by saying a little bit about like what your goals were for this weekend and how that affected the planning of the conference.
5: Um. Yeah, so one of our main goals for IVQ this year was to emphasize more like grassroots activism and thinking about like student power and organizing and just like queer, like the queer community at like the vi- most basic level which is the students and the local community. Um, and we really tried to let that show through the plenaries that we chose and some of the workshops that we chose that talked about organizing. Um, Nicole does program, so maybe she can talk a little bit about that. Um,
4: yeah, I think Lane encapsulated the theme um, perfectly in terms of envisioning queer futures. Um, and as like, um, we discussed like, in our um, intro in our program, I think that um, to some capacity, in terms of envisioning queer futures, we try to focus on activism. But some of it, as is noted in Moises Serrano's keynote, is self-care as well. And I think that you see a lot of that encapsulated in the fact that there were several workshops offered in, on the theme of health, mental health, Sort of self care in that way, in a much more organic, not neoliberal <laughs> version of self care. Um, so, like, how to take care of ourselves in regards to focusing on the larger community.
0: Would you all like to share your thoughts on what you think the importance of having a conference like this is?
4: Um, yeah,
5: so one of the speakers who is, one of the workshop presenters who is here today, Hayden Crystal. Um, they brought up a really good point because they organized uh, the Northeast LGBTQ conference, I believe it's called, um, which is like a much broader collegiate queer conference, um, whereas Ivy is very like centered on like not only the Ivies, but like in general like elite, like top 30, top whatever, many schools. Um, and I always expressed like some hesitation about this because I think I, the term Ivy often like connotates exclusion and like elitism. Um, but we had a really good conversation, Hayden and I, about how being like in these elite institutions, we do face certain issues and like certain like situations that other students simply just don't face. So I think addressing a lot of issues like that, such as the class workshop that we had today and addressing elitism and how we use our positions of privilege to enact change in our queer communities is a focus of IVQ that makes it unique from a more general queer conference.
3: On the importance of these conferences in general, not necessarily just with the Ivy Leagues, I would say that the social uh, the social medium here is equally as important as the programming itself. Um, for me, I think in the past I've attended Ivy Q conferences to really just socialize with people, not necessarily because I wanted to go to the programming, even though it's very interesting and you learn a lot from it. But I think that's why we also placed a large emphasis on creating these spaces where people can socialize. For example, with the Qnections format where you can, instead of a workshop, maybe just decompress with people with a shared identity and meet each other. Or with our mixers before the parties that are um, mostly identity-based, that's another opportunity that you can connect with other people. And then in the party itself, I think that we, even though it can lead to issues that any sort of party, large-scale party can, and especially any sort of large-scale queer party can. Um, nonetheless, I think that those are significant moments of allowing queer joy to be something that exists unhindered um, in spaces where you can be fully accepted.
0: Okay, so now that all the programming is over, do you think that the goals that you set out in the planning of this conference like, were more or less achieved, like other things that you're proud of that you saw over the weekend or things you wish had gone differently?
4: Yeah, so I think that from a logistical standpoint, the programming went uh, smoothly. I'm curious to hear what people found about the Q- like uh, felt about the connections and sort of these affinity spaces and um, how they were different from just uh, IBQ as a space as a queer space in general. Um, I'm interested in also just seeing what people how people reflect on IBQ or this specific IBQ in the long term, um, just because I think the conference has like. A certain reputation in the fact that uh, in the sense that people focus on a lot a lot of times like the social events and those things and obviously people form relationships through those um, but just if they have any long-lasting impacts or influences from the workshops um, yeah thanks y'all we appreciate it thank
0: you Thanks for listening to Bottoms on Top with myself, John Holmes, and my co-host, Andreas Pavlou. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. We record in the Wexler Recording Studio at Kelly Writer's house, and we want to give a special thanks to The Daily Pennsylvanian, our producer Joyce Varma, and Andrew Ellis, who provides our theme music. You can find him on SoundCloud as Dummy Fresh. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or conspiracy theories, feel free to email us at podcasts at thedp.com. We'll see y'all in two weeks.